Welcome to CEO Interviews, a production of Gorecom, in which we speak to small cap CEOs about what's going on at their companies. With us today, he needs no introduction, Sheldon Imitosh, founder and CEO of 3D Capital, trades on the CSC under the stock symbol IDK, and just recently for our friends in the US on the OTCQB under IDKFF. If you don't know about Sheldon and 3D Capital, quick summary for you. Sheldon has made a history of success out of discovering great disruptive companies before everybody else. So in essence, 3D Capital provides small cap investors with significant exposure to ground floor opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have a chance to get to. For example, small cap stocks in their very early early stages, private placements, and even private companies that are disruptive, right? Companies that are almost impossible for 99% of small cap investors to participate in. With us to talk about what he's investing in, what he sees. Sheldon, welcome back, my friend. Really great to be here, George. Hey, lots gone on in 2020. Obviously, what a year. Don't have to recap that. But I think everyone at home, you know, really would love to hear from you in terms of, you know, your macro thoughts on different sectors. Before we get into that, let's talk about your investment philosophy and strategy that you deploy at 3D? For sure, uh, George. Um, Yeah, I mean, it all intertwines. Uh, My view in the world, which is really coming into focus this year, uh, principally has to deal with global debt uh, slash currency devaluation. So that is what I'll call one of our pillars of focus. The second is, is the digital age. We're in a digital revolution right now. And uh, I believe that COVID, uh, I am sure, uh, accelerated that, uh, but I believe it was already in the throes and is something that is going to be part of our platform for going forward. And then I, I will sort of say a third pillar, which encompasses some of the above, et cetera, is the area of, of disruptive technologies. And as people know, t- technology is leapfrogging, changing our world in many, many different ways. Yeah. Um, so that those are the areas that that really uh, we're interested in. We're, we're obviously in a very buoyant and you know some can say nosebleed territory stock market as it as it relates to to the major indices. But what is underneath and what is really is developing a very very powerful engine is the area of small caps. Now small caps, as we define them in capital in Canada, sorry, which is different than internationally. So we're really talking about micro caps. And so within that, those pillars, uh, junior mining, which is an area I have had, I've had, I've had historical uh, involvement with, uh, has come back with a vengeance. Uh, we are making investments at a very accelerated rate. And I must say that we report now on a monthly basis how many new investments we do make in junior mining. We also announced how many new investments we make in technology. And so technology for us is disruptive technology, AI, things that are basically changing the world. And then digital, uh, digital uh, encompasses a lot of disruptive technology, uh, including blockchain. So if really one had to look at the area where we feel strongly about, it's areas that again, Uh, our contra to currency devaluation. So that would be gold, precious metals, really all hard assets would probably go in that category. Uh, Bitcoin would go in that category. And so 
we are extremely positive on the potential of of those commodities and and technologies. So let's talk about, and I love that gold and then Bitcoin. Uh, let's talk about your outlook on on gold. Obviously, you're you're talking about a world going into you know, more sovereign debt and currency devaluation. So where what's your what's your macro view on gold? And maybe we'll talk about some specific investments in the next segment. But what's your macro view on gold and where it's going in the next 12, 24 months? Well, you know, I'm I'm no prognosticator. I'll just say higher, um, and nothing would surprise me. Because if you really look at central banks' reserve reserves and against their currencies, they typically take a basket of items and a basket of currencies. And gold was one that used to be a, a foundational element there. And then basically through the 80s and 90s, there was a, a deaccessioning disposition of gold that has reversed itself. And certainly in some countries like China and Russia have accelerated substantially. So for gold to have a real place in a, as a reserve, cur- in a reserve currency portfolio, I believe it's got to be between five and $10,000 um, uh, uh, an ounce. And those are crazy numbers. But on the other hand, Bitcoin at $20,000 was out of the realm of possibility when it traded under $1,000, um, let alone $10. So things are changing in, in a way and especially, as I said, accelerated by COVID, where monetary creation is happening at a faster pace than we've ever seen in our life, maybe exponential. And one can argue what is supporting the values of these currencies. And really, it's the printing press. That's it. And and switching gears over now to Bitcoin, you talked about when it was $20,000. Can you believe that it's actually back? To about eighteen thousand dollars last time I looked last night or this morning, it's made a, a, a roaring move, and you've been bullish on digital currencies the entire time, correct? Uh, things to do with digital currency and blockchain. So, you know, what's your outlook on Bitcoin, maybe specifically, and, and digital currency in general going forward? Well, Bitcoin, I believe, is a brand. Um, I am a big fan of blockchain because I believe blockchain is going to make businesses way more efficient, way more profitable, and will ultimately be used as an alternative to the US dollar, which is the worldwide brand of fiat currency. So Bitcoin um, is is basically the masthead, but realistically, the value creation, I believe, will be in alternative currencies to Bitcoin, and that Bitcoin you can equate to gold and gold may go up, but there's a lot of derivatives off the price of gold in the hard asset world that will probably move up more than gold. And they may not be as visible. And in the same way, Bitcoin will be probably the most visible, but there will be other uh, digital currencies, I'll call them digital tokens, basically smart contracts underneath the blockchain that are the value proposition is gonna be so great that it's going to outpace uh, the price of Bitcoin, the price of gold, the price of anything else wow. as, a, as a transactor of value. So is that the advantage that IDK, 3D Capital brings to its shareholders and potential shareholders? Because you, uh, you, you've you held firm to that philosophy. You're not a bandwagoner, that's for sure. You've held firm. You, since 2018, you've been saying, George, digital currency, it doesn't matter what the price are today. It's going to be, you know, these are going to be big parts of our economy going forward. 
Is this the advantage that you bring to shareholders where you can make these investments in smaller, you just said, you know, tokens, uh, out of the way, out of the way, digital currencies and put them into the 3D capital fund and shareholders normally couldn't buy those on their own, suddenly get a, an uplift from that? Are they able to participate at the very least? Well, the advantage of being around uh, for a long time, like I have, uh, I focused almost my whole career in emerging companies, in junior companies. So uh, I did this with uh, Pine Tree Capital. Uh, I am now, the sequel to that is 3D Capital. And the result of my involvement in this space, if you will, is that uh, my deal flow is, is spectacular. So we have opportunities to look at things on a daily basis. And because of our involvement, we are given uh, special pricing on investing in these companies. And they're at a fraction of what the ordinary investor would ever see through their stockbroker. There's no fees. Uh, and really it's a direct investment, often with warrants. And realistically, uh, it's just a venue for those that wanna take the high risk, whether it be gold, whether it be digital currencies, um, you know, whether it be disruptive technologies, be able to discover these companies, analyze them, do due diligence and invest in them at absolutely, you know, I'll say rock bottom, uh, early, early low valuation prices. And, and that's a window that is really not available. And in addition, uh, we have a portfolio of companies. So one is not putting all their eggs in one basket, if you will, but the whole company has the same philosophy on investing. And investors, because of the rules of your portfolio, uh, don't get a chance to see the specifics, right? So there's a lot going on there in the portfolio where they can't see individual investments until they rise to a certain level threshold of, of disclosure. So is it fair to say that, you know, uh, uh, 3D Capital has got some has, has got some nice nuggets and good exposure there? Yeah, I think so. Um, what we've been, we, we've had to do is that we have to create a sense of uh, uh, rules and principles upon how we disclose our investments. And it just gets to be too, you know, bogs you down when you have to get into too much detail. So we do have a number of things, whether we own over 10% of a company, whether I'm on the board, um, and, and in certain cases, uh, we make exceptions and disclose other investments. Um, we talk about our investments, but uh, we don't talk about the details of, of exactly how much of that investment that we own. The way that investors have, have typically evaluated us is on those companies that are in the public domain, if you will. And then there are, it's through our, our NAV. And we report our NAV on a quarterly basis. So Net asset last, value for everybody at home was not familiar. Yes, net, net, net asset, asset value, right, per share. And we did our last reporting in June. So here we are, you know, almost six months later, and there's been no new real disclosure there other than our upcoming financials. So um, as I did with Pine Tree Capital, we are gonna start reporting NAV on a monthly basis. And we're gonna start that fresh in the new year for January. So basically beginning of February, it takes us a week or two to do uh, develop that NAV number, which is unaudited. And investors are going to be able to get a sense on a monthly basis how the portfolio has performed. In addition, as I said before, monthly, we're going to disclose how many additional incremental new investments we've made 
in the disruptive technology category and in junior mining. Yeah, that's and great. We've, and we've been very, very active. Uh, is it fair to say, Sheldon, that you're, you're, you're accelerating NAV reporting, you're accelerating the number of investments because things are starting to move so quickly. Like, look, this net asset value was filed a couple of weeks ago, but that was with the period ending June 30th because that's just the nature of financials, right? Uh, so that 41 cents per share you reported applied to the company back on June 30th when the share value is well below where it is today. So is it fair to say that's a catalyst to all this? You want shareholders, prospective shareholders to be able to see the number of investments and the net asset value every month? Yes, because that number is stale dated right now. Um, sure. You could say whether it goes up or whether it goes down. A lot has happened in the last five months. Um, in our case, it's been very positive. In fact, there's private placements we've done that we've invested in a private placement. It's at a four month hold. We've exited that private placement, reinvested it in new deals. And it, none of that is uh, the, the dynamics of, of that, uh, you know, can be reflected in our financials because it's post, post quarter and, and post year end. Yeah, as a shareholder, I got to tell you, and I think I speak on behalf of everyone who's watching this at home or listening via podcast, that's amazing. And when is that going to start, Sheldon? When you guys going to I know you've already started reporting the investments on the website, not reporting, but it's on the website every month you update it. But Correct. when you start, uh, when you actually start accelerating into the monthly NAV? For the month of January, starting January 2021. So as I said, it will be somewhere in the first two weeks of February 2021. And then every beginning of every subsequent month thereafter. Yeah, that'll be that'll be great. Can't wait to see it. Let's talk about some specifics, uh, some specific companies that we do know about uh, because you have discussed them uh, in in which you're invested. So uh, there's there's three that I, I there's there's a couple I want to talk about for sure. First one is Peak FinTech, a uh, fantastic FinTech company. Uh, a, a lending a lending platform in China that is that is doing some pretty unbelievable things. What can you tell us about Peak? Why did you make that investment? You know what triggered it for you, uh, and and tie that into your pillars, I guess. And then uh, you know what's your outlook for the company? I'm not asking for stock price, but just your general outlook for for Peak. Well, I was tracking the company for some time. Uh, then they made uh, what I considered to be a strategic acquisition. Um, we're, we're dealing optically in, in, in a company that was involved in China, which had huge amounts of negative publicity, uh, both in Canada and America for whether it's COVID or whether it's Huawei and so forth. Uh, so um, I looked at it as sort of the reverse end and I look at it as where can you find a junior company that has access to the market in China run by Chinese nationals? that's blessed by the Chinese government, that has created a disruptive technology platform, which is underlaid by this platform called Cubular, which involves AI, it involves targeted matching of basically lenders with uh, companies that need capital. And there is a dire need for that, whether it's Canada or anywhere else in the world, but certainly China, where the uh, maturity of their a banking system is is not necessarily geared to to small business. Whether somebody wants to, you know, uh, put a bunch of radios or not radios, there's no radios anymore, but computers in their computer store, and they need to finance inventory, 
And this is a type of thing that I'm referring to. So the opportunities are tremendous. Um, we, we got involved, the shares have appreciated substantially since then. I've become an advisor to the company to help them on you know, introducing them to from a capital markets perspective because they have some very uh, significant plans of what they wanna do going forward. Um, and in addition, the technology is quite disruptive. So it really meets the criteria and you know, where we're looking. And I think it's gonna bolt into the digital age really smoothly. Loop Insights is the next one I want to talk to you about. Uh, MTRX on the TSX chain. You're 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 an advisor to the company there. Uh, it's had a lot of attention uh, from the market, just as Peak FinTech has. Uh, when did you discover Loop? What was it about it uh, that attracted that that attracted you to it? Well, um, I was referred to uh, by to the company. Uh, um, by you, George, uh, initially, uh, which was uh, outstanding. Uh, but we did our due diligence and were blown away by the fact that here's a small company that through its ability to digitize the bricks and mortar industry, and we can call that affectionately now the last mile, whereby companies uh, just don't have any data on anybody that walks into these bricks and mortar environments and through a matrix proprietary system, again, involving AI, artificial intelligence, they'll be able to accumulate databases that are hugely important to, to, to big companies, anybody marketing, anybody wants to know the intel of those that actually walk into these environments or into a sports arena. Who knows about these people? So this, this company has really done something exceptional uh, we got involved early before it had really, uh, let's say, call it taken traction. And if I compare it to Peak, Peak uh, is doing revenue. And that also uh, interested, uh, interested us substantially. And their Q on Q growth was starting to accelerate. So we're going, well, why is this company at this price? Matrix is probably, or Loop Insight, six months behind that. But I believe we'll start generating revenue uh, in the near future. And the partnerships that management is, is, is uh, pulling off are absolutely spectacular and with the biggest organizations and groups in the world. So we, the, again, disruptive technology will ultimately fit into the digital world. Great management, both peak and matrix, uh, hardworking, dedicated, care about shareholder value. These are all the principles that I like to see in a, in a small company and again, with Matrix, large addressable market. You've also got a couple of uh, private, I, I love to touch on these just a little bit, a couple of private companies in the portfolio that you've, that you've talked about. And that's Sense, which is, uh, I'll let you explain that, and TotaQ. Now, the, these are two uh, companies and, and or tokens that most people would never have heard of, let alone be able to invest in. Uh, and I love that you find these kind of nuggets. Tell us a little bit about how you found those and what you think of their futures. Yeah, well, these are many of these are stumble upons, you know, for whatever reason. Um, in most of the companies, in, in some cases, uh, I shouldn't say most of them, um, we find them on our own. We're looking for something and we find something else. Uh, Sense it's somebody that I actually met at a mining conference in Cape Town who had brought this up with me. 
And what they've developed is, is it's in beta now, so it's actually close to being launched as a decentralized app. But why that's important today, which is built on the blockchain, the first true blockchain-based uh, decentralized app. And what that does is it protects- Messaging app, right? Messaging app, I'm sorry, yes. And it protects your information, your identity. And today, if one read the papers in Canada, the Canadian government is coming out now with laws on protecting the individual, protecting the uh, infringement of their information that relates to themselves. And in many cases, third parties monetizing. Well, the big advantage of, of an app, a, a messaging app, which everybody uses uh, frequently is that, and addicted to, uh, and it's a form of communication, is that a it's 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 basically almost unhackable, so it's proprietary. Second is your data is your data. If you want to sell your data, you can monetize that, and is really again part of the platform of the future. And the Canadian government, as well as other governments, are going to be supporting that whole initiative. Uh, TotaQ is also another one. Uh, it's maybe a bit too complicated to get uh, fully into today but uh, I believe will we'll, we'll be a form of another currency and a solution provider uh, to many companies using, using the blockchain. So um, again, fits into the digital world, fits into the currency world, and very exciting. And what I love about that, Sheldon, is look, you already have a track record. You've got, I don't know, multiple billion dollar exits on positions. Uh, you've had a number of, you know, in the tens and the hundreds of millions, right? So you don't, when, when you buy these things, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, maybe your philosophy has changed, but when you buy these things, you buy them when they're relatively unknown, when they're relatively cheap, and you like to stick around for quite a while until they've had, you know, significant appreciation, which is something that shareholders, again, I'm going to say, never would have known about Sense. And by the way, if you're at home, look up Sense message app and see who's behind it. Sheldon didn't have a chance to get into that, but you know, big names, big people behind it. Um, so is it fair to say that you're going to be doing the same thing, generally speaking, with these positions that we kind of talked about? You see the future and you want to really be there for the long haul? Yes. And you know, the one area maybe that we can segue into is the, the junior gold and junior mineral space. Uh, the same thing is that we're the beginnings of a massive bull market, uh, as I've said before. I mean, a lot of people are very happy that gold is $1,800. I mean, these companies are spewing out cash flow on a quarterly basis that's mind-boggling. And there were companies that struggled to break even for many, many years. I mean, Barrick almost went bankrupt and then ended up doing the deal with Rand Gold, you know, tremendous management. And what a cash machine that is now. So, um, uh, I'm finding that the junior market still has not grabbed the investment dollars that it probably should. So we're extremely active. And when we invest in the junior mineral market, it's typically a long haul because we are looking to not so much for the price of gold to appreciate to, to get a return, but rather to find incremental ounces, discoveries. And I've been behind uh, a lot of companies that have been very successful. So I've been lucky. I'm hoping to be lucky again. It's, it's already it's not luck, Sheldon. <laughs> it's, it's it's already uh, it's already starting to to pay dividends. Um, and in fact, I think the coming months are going to have some spectacular results for us. 
So the junior gold market is another area, again, fits into the three pillars that I discussed earlier. Are there any companies you want to kind of discuss or mention that you, that you like in that space? Any new companies you've been, you've gotten your eye on? Well, um, I'll mention two that actually are private uh, that are going to be coming public. One we've disclosed called One Bullion, and it's the largest landholder in Botswana. And it's basically the extension of the Cryopan belt in uh, South Africa, which is a very difficult place to do business. Botswana is ranked number one in Africa, where 17 million ounces was found. So we were able to um, acquire these licenses and leases you know, three years ago when no one was really looking at the industry and put them in good standing, start to do some work. So that is a company we're gonna be taking public. Uh, another great asset that we got involved with in the last six months is in Nevada. It's a major silver asset, a major reserve. We're getting behind that company. It should be public. Another one that's quite interesting and very different from all the others that we took a small position in, but looking at perhaps getting much deeper in is company called Oxico. Uh, it's a symbol is AUAG, which is uh, great silver, uh, gold silver uh, as a symbol, which very unique in that they've developed a trading platform where they are going to be acquiring and reselling uh, minerals. And they have some ex-Glencore employees, which uh, really understand their experience. And then they're segueing that to uh, 28 silver mines that they acquired, old silver mines in Mexico, and that looking at putting one or, or two of those back into production. So microcap, an example, just an example of a company with a slightly different business model, yet tremendous leverage as well to silver, which is probably uh, a preferred uh, investment of ours, even over gold. And I want to kind of backtrack about a minute ago where you said, Botswana, uh, you acquire those assets three years ago, right? And that's the difference between a 3D capital and Joe and Mary, the investor. Joe and Mary, the investor, wait for something to become, let's face it, it's just that something gets hot and they start investing in it. Whereas, you know, three years ago, the mark was dominated by cannabis, blockchain, you couldn't you couldn't give away a gold gold stocks and, and gold projects for free. People like Sheldon, who have had billion dollar exits and five hundred million dollar exits on investments they've made, this is the difference with three D capital. Three years ago, when nobody wanted, and it's we all know the adage we've heard it a hundred times, right? Sell whenever sell when everyone's greedy, buy when there's blood in the streets. Very few people ever do it. You did it. So I love the fact that you picked up, in addition to the other projects you talked about, but I love the fact that you picked up, you know, your Botswana assets when nobody wanted them. That That's fantastic. Well, I, I sometimes say uh, money is made in the buying. So if you get in early, early, then you really can sleep with your investments because yeah. you know that you've paid well. So you never, you don't mind keeping them for the long run. It's when you overpay that you get very nervous when the shares depreciate in value. Uh, because you're always worried about what you don't know. But when you buy early, you can weather those storms where every company which has setbacks uh, you know, occurs, you sure. can at least have the conviction to stay with it because your cost base is quite low. Well, uh, I can't wait until you can talk more 
uh, probably about those two companies when when they list ballpark ballpark uh, ETA for listings for those companies. Are they a couple months away? Are they twelve months away? How far how far away are they? You think? Ballpark. I'd say I'd say give or take February, a month or so. All right. So you're talking about side. you're talking about Q1. Yes, Q1. Right. You heard it here, everybody. So uh, that that's a great piece of information. So talking about Q1, perfect segue. You'd think we scripted it that way, but we didn't. 2020, what a crazy year to navigate. We don't need to rehash that because everybody knows what it was, right? Uh, what's your outlook on 2021 with the with COVID appearing to, I know it's under control this second, but we've heard two vaccines now. Uh, US presidential elections look like they're not gonna be highly contested and, and all that, doesn't look like it. So what's your outlook on 2021 and you know what should small cap investors be looking for out of, out of 3D capital? Well, first thing, uh, even beyond 3D, I, I would say it's the year to be all in. Um, you know, sometimes I say the biggest risk, risk in certain investments is being out of them. And I believe that's going to be an opportunity of a lifetime, whether it's junior tech, junior mining, we're going to have a small cap explosion. The, the, you're finding more and more entrepreneurs per capita now than ever because of the internet, because of the digital age, because the world is a very small place. Uh, there are really no borders in many cases. So I'm, I'm extremely uh, optimistic, bullish, whatever the words are. And we're trying to invest as rapidly as we can in the great companies that we find that um, we are able to. So um, it's, it's, it's positioning time. And I think that 2021 will make up for the volatility and uncertainty that happened in 2020. Sheldon, thanks so much for that. Uh, look, you're the Warren Buffett of the small cap world, Canadian. And look, you're called a legendary so. financier for a reason. We could keep you on here for an hour, but I think it'd be a good idea to save some uh, just to have you back, uh, especially given you know, the acceleration of your reporting with NAV, the acceleration of your reporting with investments being made. But thanks a lot for uh, for joining us today. And especially because it's the end of the year and everyone's looking for the voice of reason, the experienced voices, not just the Twitter, you know, the, 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 the Twitter warriors, even though I love all of them. But let's face it, you want to talk and you want to hear from someone who's been through all of it. And we really appreciate you being here. Thank you, George. It was great. You've been watching, or if you've been listening by podcast, to Sheldon Inwintosh, Chairman, CEO, 3D Capital, trades on the CSC on the stock symbol IDK. And for our friends in the US on the stock symbol IDKFF. Look, you, you've heard what Sheldon's had to say. You, we've talked about net asset value, talked about that stale dated, the, the kind of investments he's been making since then, and his outlook. Your job now is to do your due diligence. Do that in two ways. One, get to the, especially for the new investors who don't know about, don't really know about 3D Capital. Get over to the 3D Capital Hub on Agoracom. Go to the profile page. We've neatly laid out a lot of this for you because we know there's a lot of information to absorb. Once you've done that, get over to the 3D Capital site. Very helpful, a lot of information there. And hopefully you discovered your next great small cap company. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a great day. See you next time.